Hello everyone, welcome back to another brand new episode of the Casual Criminalist. I, what was that? Casual Criminalist. My voice uh, apparently is not working today. This is going to be a brilliant one. Uh, this is one of our short episodes of Crime to Remember, the case of Nicole Gordon. What happens here, as always, if you are new, is I am sitting here. This show, if you're listening to it on a podcast, it's as a podcast, it also goes out on YouTube. If you're watching it on YouTube, why not subscribe as a podcast? Probably don't do both. Just consume it however you prefer. But I'm sitting here with a script in front of me that has been written by our fine scriptwriter, Callum. I'm going to read it, and then afterwards, the music, the ambiance, is going to be added by Jen. So let's just jump in, shall we? Did I say this is a short one? We do both short and long episodes, generally uh, one of each a week. Uh, this doesn't feel so short, though. It's a good five or six pages. But uh, the last page is short. Let's jump in, shall we? And if I could just jump in again, if you're enjoying this show... The like button is to be used if you're on YouTube and if you're listening as a podcast and if you can leave us a review, that is very much appreciated. I see those reviews going up and I, I am I'm an Apple person. I look in the Apple Podcast app and I see those reviews going up and I'm grateful for it. So thank you. Memory can be a fickle thing. A lapse in the hippocampus is a minor annoyance when you misplace your car keys. But the stakes are a little higher when it comes to crime and punishment. When so many convictions rely on the testimony of victims and witnesses, we'd like to think that their recollections are accurate enough to decide the big questions of justice and freedom, of life and death. I, I don't know anything about this. Uh, if you Again, if you're new, I've never read this before. I have no idea what this story is about. That's... Uh, kind of how we do things here keeps it interesting for me maybe it makes it interesting for you uh but i believe that wasn't there even a movement to throw out eyewitness testimony in court as as a generality but just just because it's been so unreliable and we should just be relying on forensics and actual more uh quantifiable things rather than because human memory is a joke it's just absolutely terrible However, neuroscience and psychology continue to prove that the mushy meat computers in our heads are actually prone to severely distorting the past and even cooking up fake memories from scratch. That raises a few awkward questions that the legal system has yet to find a satisfying answer for. Thankfully, nowadays, the hard science of criminal investigation can often compensate. We now have more cold, hard facts at our disposal to pick up the slack where memory fails at times catastrophically. Today we'll be looking at a case in which the evidence told the story of a shocking crime which the victim had no idea even happened. Ooh, it's like a mystery. (laughs) Yes, it was firmly embedded in her mind, just not in the way you might expect. Oh, is something going to be firmly embedded literally in her brain causing her to, to forget things? Well, let's find out, shall we, Callum? In Search of Lost Time That evening in late May of 2017 had been shattered to pieces in the mind of Nicole Gordon. She remembered the argument. She remembered a loud noise. She remembered the smashing of glass and the impact of shards against the side of her face. But after that, it all was blank. The 40-year-old regained consciousness sometime later. She didn't know how long. Divines that she was now in the back of her boyfriend's car. Despite her blurred vision, she could make out his form sitting in the driver's seat. This was Gerante Kane, himself in his late 30s. After a few seconds, she faded out of consciousness again. The next time Nicole awoke, she was at Kane's mother house, propped up in the spare bed with pillows at her back. She asked what had happened, and Mrs. Kane explained that Nicole had crashed the car while she and her son were locked in a shouting match. The impact had knocked her out and sent shards of the driver's side window flying into the side of her head. While she slept, Mrs. Kane had cleaned up a pretty serious glass wound on the left side of her head, a deep cut right above the left eyebrow. What? (laughs) I mean, thanks, Mrs. Kane, but is there a reason I'm not in, you know, the hospital? 
Nicole looked down to find her shirt soaked in blood. Over the next few days, the elderly Mrs. Kane continued caring for her son's girlfriend rather than letting her leave and get professional medical help. Yes, this would immediately set my alarm bells ringing. It sounds like something out of that Stephen King novel. Uh, is it Misery, where the, the writer is kidnapped by one of his fans? <laughs> Some scary shit. Nicole was used to that sort of argument. Over the course of her relationship with Gerente, she had learned that going to the hospital simply wasn't an option. If the nurses were going to report her bruises and black eyes to the police, it would only incur further violence. Better just keep quiet and let the wounds heal by themselves. So that's just what she did. These are always so sad, because you're always immediately in the mind, why don't you go to the hospital? Why don't you go to the police? And obviously, it's way more complicated than that. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, it's a, that's a situation. Whenever Nicole tried to piece together the memories of what happened to her that day, she came up short. The fragments were there, but she couldn't quite piece them together into a coherent timeline. With her memories hazy at best and blank at worst, all she had to go on were the accounts of her boyfriend and his mother. And that wasn't her only problem. The crash had left some lasting issues, which only got worse over the following weeks. Her short-term memory and speech were deteriorating, and her days were plagued with unbearable headaches. When a friend came to visit her home around a month after the incident, she was shocked at her condition. Nicole's slurred speech and trouble following a conversation proved that her problems were beyond the medical powers of an old lady with some chicken soup and rubbing alcohol. She demanded that Nicole come with her to the hospital. On June the 25th, 2017, she was admitted to Atlanta Medical Center. What the doctors there would find would turn her world upside down. There's got to be something in her brain, right? Like a piece of glass or... Did he shoot her? Something terrible happens and it's screwing with her brain really bad. A ballistic bombshell. When the technicians administered a brain scan on Nicole, they found something shocking. A dark mark right at the back of her skull. It appeared to be a small shard of metal. After consulting with multiple doctors and nurses, they had a good idea what it might be. An analysis of the wound above Nicole's eye confirmed their suspicions. Her injury wasn't caused by, a caused by a shard of glass at all. The physical evidence told a very different story to the one Nicole had been led to believe. Yes, she and Gerontai had been arguing in the car, but there was no crash. During the arguments, he had pulled out a handgun and shot her in the face. Good lord. The black mark on the scan was the bullet still lodged deep in her brain. Realizing that he hadn't managed to kill her, the abusive boyfriend panicked and ran to his mum for help. He bundled the grievously injured Nicole into his own car while cooking up a story to explain the incident if she ever woke up. He could only pray that she wouldn't remember the gun in her peripheral vision or the sound of it firing next to her head. I mean, I don't want to get too dark here, but dude, I'm assuming when you shot her in the head, you intended to kill her. Did I, I mean, I, I really don't want to say it, but didn't you consider finishing the job? Because what if she does remember? And you already basically were okay with being a murderer. I'm just wondering why you didn't. Unfortunately, the bullet had done enough damage to Nicole's brain that she couldn't challenge her attacker's story. Gerontai thought that he had caught a lucky break and resolved to let her go on living the rest of her life, none the wiser after she'd left his mother's house. As a result, Nicole wrote off her deteriorating mental condition as a result of a concussion. Although, dude, if I'm like weeks later and I'm like my speech is getting worse, I'm going to be like, hmm, I should probably get that concussion checked out a bit more. That's why she was so dumbfounded when the Atlanta PD detectives arrived to quiz her on the bullet in her head. She was as stumped as they were. Surely there had been some kind of mistake. Nicole told him about the argument and the crash, but it took a while longer before she could come to terms with the real story, as reflected in her medical charts. The cops then went to speak to the suspected gunman, who admitted that he was there at the time of the accident, but stuck to his original story. He elaborated that Nicole was a hysterical alcoholic who went into a frenzy during the argument, scraping her car against a gate in another car and eventually plowing into a tree. He even asserted 
asserted that she refused to go to the hospital against his advice. But again, the physical evidence told a very different tale. There was no proof of a crash occurring in the way he described, and Nicole's injuries were inconsistent with the account. For one, she had no whiplash, no seatbelt injuries. And wasn't it strange that a shard of glass had fired out with enough force to lodge above her eye that deep? What her injuries did suggest, however, was a single gunshot to the head. That kind of thing is generally quite bad for your health, although not always as fatal as movies and video games have led us to believe. Indeed, I always thought that a bullet to the head, you know, is that is always fatal. But then, I don't know, one of those, like, urban legends or rumor story, you know, like, a kid at, sto- at school will tell you a story of, yeah, this guy, he shot himself in the head and he just ended up blinding himself. And you're like, oh my god, that is so scary for a 12-year-old. And then there was that movie. It was a James Bond movie with Piers I want to say Piers Morgan, but definitely not with Piers Morgan, with Piers Brosnan, where the bad guy gets shot in the head and then he can't feel pain anymore or something, which is, I mean, perfect for a Bond villain. That was a really good one. Was it The World Is Not Enough? I think that's an underrated James Bond film. Arrest and Trial At this point, it was the case of he said, she said. He said she crashed the car. She said, I have a literal bullet in my head. Obviously, the authorities sided with Nicole and issued a warrant for Gerontai's arrest in July of 2017. He unfortunately managed to give them the slip and went on the run for the next year and a half. It wasn't until an anonymous tip came in through Crime Stoppers that the cops were able to track down the fugitive. He was hiding out at a house in College Park in Atlanta. In January of 2019, the Atlanta Metro Major Offender Task Force, a joint venture between local police and the FBI, descended upon the suburban neighborhood. Gerontai refused to go quietly and initiated a two-hour standoff with the SWAT team. The boyfriend of the year was savvy enough to avoid a bullet to the head for himself and eventually surrendered to the police. Officers entered to find him hiding in the attic. It's like, dude, if they're entering your house, what? Yeah, I'm going to run upstairs and hide in the attic. They're just going to go up there. They're going to find you. Although, in a previous episode of The Casual Criminals, I'm just realizing now, the police did search the house of someone where there was a dude literally hiding in the attic for months and they didn't find the dude hiding in the attic. So uh, maybe it's, this wasn't so. Maybe he was listening. Maybe he'd heard of that case. Maybe he'd listened to this podcast if we aired it in 2017, which we didn't. Gerontai was charged with aggravated battery, aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, possession of a firearm during the commission of a felony, and possession of a firearm by a convicted felon. Oh, this guy's a bad dude. I mean, he's convicted of stuff before. <laughs> and he just... I mean, he's a bad dude because he shot someone in the head. Allegedly at this point, I'm just going to say allegedly in case he gets off because I don't want to get sued. Um, allegedly, it's like the magic, the silver bullet. <laughs> it's like allegedly. If you watch my Business Place channel, which is another YouTube channel that I do, uh, I use allegedly all the time because I don't want to get sued by giant corporations. <laughs> also, this guy is getting charged with all of these crimes. Is he not going to get charged with attempted murder? He shot someone in the head. I mean, if there's any clear case of like, yeah, no, I intended to kill them. I mean, shooting in the head is kind of w- w- what you do, right? That's a lot to add on to an already hefty criminal record, as it was reeled, he already got 13 arrests to his name. One of those arrests back in 2010 led to a conviction for sexual battery. Quite the gentleman he's turning out to be. When the case went to trial later that year, a guilty verdict was pretty much inevitable. Kane's poor, beleaguered defense lawyer, Ed Adams, gave it his best shot nonetheless. His argument was basically that since the fragment in Nicole's brain was too deeply embedded to be examined, there was no proving what it really was. He later told an online news site, They just did an x-ray, and it looked like a bullet, but there's no certain proof that it was a bullet. I have to say, that's quite quite a clever defense. That's uh, That's quite good. I mean... It's obviously going to be a bullet. (laughs) And if they could take it out, I'm sure they'd match it to his gun or whatever. But they can't 
and with you know law and the courts and stuff this beyond all reasonable doubt all that defense lawyer needs to do is just seize a little bit of reasonable doubt in there which maybe this will establish i somehow doubt it but maybe oh yes of course there's every chance that a bullet-shaped piece of metal was already there before the incident that makes total sense after all the cops never even managed to find any bullet casings at the scene or the gun itself so why should we even believe the shooting tech took place that day when not a single person involved reported one i like i say it's not a bad defense i mean considering what you've got to go on here I, it's not bad well once again bullet in the brain people don't just get bits of metal lodged in their heads by accident but also nicole revealed that her own 25 caliber pistol had been stolen shortly before the incident and jaron's eye knew where she kept it it was also revealed that during a call with a relative talking about what he had done he shouted down the line it was her gun though <laughs> dude like that's a defense like no 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 it was her gun i shot it with her gun so i'm innocent it's like gerontite what is up with you mate <laughs> that sounds like case closed to me the jury agrees in september 2019 the serial abuser was convicted on all counts and slapped with a 30-year sentence 25 years behind bars with the final five to be served on probation a pretty satisfying conclusion to an otherwise awful story wrap up in summing up this outlandish case to the press fulton county district attorney paul howard jr tried to impress upon them how depressingly commonplace it actually was he was quoted as saying this case serves as a horrifying example of the kinds of incidents we investigate and prosecute on a daily basis domestic violence victims do not deserve to endure the pain and the suffering that results from these violent incidents that in some cases lead to senseless and tragic deaths Thankfully, death wasn't the outcome for Nicole, but it's depressing that it even got to this stage at all. Plenty of friends came forward during the trial to testify to the black eyes and bruises they'd seen her with over the years and the violent temper of her abusive boyfriend. So you have to ask, why did she have to end up with a bullet through the skull before she got the help she needed? Too often, victims of abuse don't have their stories explored in courts until after their abuser claims their lives or attempts to. As a result, Nicole will continue suffering from Jarantai's abuse for the rest of her life. The bullet is lodged too deep for surgeons to remove it without a high risk of killing her. That little fragment of metal will remain where it is, a grimly ironic reminder of an attack which is still absent from her memory. Maybe maybe for the best in that case, though. I mean, I, I, if I'd been shot in the head, I'm not really sure I'd want to remember it. Gerontai, on the other hand, will have plenty of time to reflect long and hard on the events of that day, over and over and over. By the time he's released, here's hoping the rest of the world will have forgotten that he ever existed. I have to say, that was a bit of a depressing one, but I'm glad she survived. And yeah, domestic abuse is a piece of shit Um, Yeah, on that cheery note, this has been a short episode of The Casual Criminalist. If you... I don't want to say enjoyed it, but if you did find it interesting, if you did, <laughs> you didn't enjoy it. But if you are, uh, please do consider leaving a review, a like if you enjoyed this video, and uh, oh, subscribe. Yeah, subscribe. You can do that on podcasts and on YouTube. And as always, thank you for watching.